Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Raising Saints, an AM820 production designed for parents who desire to raise the saints in their life. And now, Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt. Hello and welcome to Raising Saints, the show for Catholic parents. I'm your host, Katie Wyatt, and you are listening to AM820 St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. On today's program, our topic is social justice. I don't think it's any secret that we currently have a Pope who is very, very passionate about social justice. And um, just to begin the show, I'd like to uh, to quote Pope Francis, to love God and neighbor is not something abstract, but profoundly concrete. It means seeing in every person the face of the Lord to be served, to serve him concretely. So here with me today are some friends who have taken this call to heart, who are taking it seriously, who are serving God concretely. Um, so I just want to introduce our friends. They're from St. John Newman today. So we have Annie. Hello, Annie. Hello. And Betsy. Hi, Betsy. Hi. And we have Hannah. Hi. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to all of you. Um, why don't you... So w- this is an appropriate show for us to to um, to share today because you are all in the middle of a service retreat called Blessed Week Ever. It's a combined effort between St. John Newman and Church of the Resurrection. So why don't you all tell us a little bit about the week, what you're doing, how it's structured, that sort of thing. Just give us an overview. Um, so we wake up in the morning and we start the day out with a rosary. And then um, we pack our lunch and then we go out to our first service site. And then we're there for a couple of hours. We get to hang out with a ton of fun people. And... Um, then we eat lunch, and then we move on to the next one. And they're the next all really service site. Yes, the okay. next service site. And um, so we do that for a while, and then um, that's the service part. And then we get to um, go back to their treat center and um, just hang out and share parts of our days, and um, just to have a great community and to talk about what we did that day. Okay, great. Anybody want to add anything, Betsy or Hannah? Well, usually in the evenings, we it's basically a retreat. So we have different speakers come in. We have been able to celebrate Mass. Uh, we're also going to the cathedral to walk through the doors of mercy. And we are receiving reconciliation and partaking, partaking in adoration. Uh, so, yeah, we have the service, service component during the day and then really the retreat time at night. So you're all over the place in terms of service right service agencies you're going to all kinds of different places yeah a lot of different um things like the first day we hung out with um meals on wheels and saw what they did around their place and then like the second day we were with a bunch of kids so like it changes up um all the time okay so what we're going to do is go through the seven tenets of catholic social justice and i want to ask you to reflect on the experiences you've had so far this week and kind of relate them to what we're called to, how we're called to live as Christians. You know, as Pope Francis said, it's not abstract. It's not something we just think about or just reflect on. It's something we actually put into action. So what a great opportunity for you ladies this week to be able to put that in action and to be able to reflect on what, what we're called to do. So, um, there are seven of these tenets of Catholic social teaching, and they're very comprehensive. They're, they, they begin with what is the foundation of all the others, right? So the very first 
tenet of Catholic social teaching is the dignity of the human person. And in short, what this says is that everyone is a reflection of the image of God. So how we treat people, all people, no matter who, no matter who we're encountering, how we treat those people is how we treat God. Um, so in your volunteering this week, have you seen people whose dignity has not been respected? Not necessarily at the agencies where they're being served, but just in their lives and hearing their stories and in hearing about what brought them to this point. Has it been partially because their dignity wasn't respected? Can you think of any instances where that's been the case? I would say yes. Um, I think that we've encountered people who have experienced abuse or um, just other kind of forms of neglect or hardship in their life, and that really has caused the chain reaction that led them to seeking help like they have been this week. So where they are being served, the places where you are helping out, are they being dignified or is their dignity being respected? Maybe that's a better way to say that. I'd say yes. Like um, the places that we help out at and serve, um, I feel like it's a very comfortable environment for them to come. And I feel like most of the people that we have seen have either walked out with a smile or have been very thankful for the efforts that we've done. So I feel like the places that we've been have been welcoming. Would you agree with that? Annie and and Betsy? Yes. Most of the people that are working in all of these different agencies are, they just have such, in my experience, have such servants hearts and, and they're there because they're called to be there. A lot of them are volunteering. Have you encountered a lot of regular volunteers? Yeah, this morning we were at JOIN, the Joint Organization for Inner City Needs, and uh, all the, the volunteers there seem to be regular. They come once a week or they have a schedule, um, and so they really get to know each other and know the clients that come in. What kind of services are they providing for clients there, Betsy? JOIN does a lot of different things. Um, the main thing that we saw was that they were giving away CODA bus passes, for people who either had a job interview lined up or were trying to get to a doctor's appointment or um, were trying to get to work um, and they hadn't received their first paycheck yet. JOIN also helps with utilities like electric and gas. They provide steel toe boots or non-skid shoes for people who are trying to work. Um They also help with birth certificates um, and just a lot, a very, like, comprehensive list of things that um, mainly financial needs that clients have. So this is a place where people kind of, I don't want to say one-stop shopping because I I don't want to trivialize it or minimalize it, but rather than these people with limited resources and not easy access to transportation rather than having them having to go here, like to the electric company, then to the quota place, then to, you know, the courthouse, Mm -hmm. then to the, they can just come to this one place and be treated with respect and hopefully get the things they need. Not always, (laughs) not always, but, but that's always the goal though. Okay. So that's foundational, the dignity of the human person. So the second tenet of Catholic social teaching is the call to family, community, and participation. 
because our church teaches that the human nature is not only sacred, but it's also social. We weren't, you know, no, that the, the quote, no man is an island. That that's exactly what this is about. And the ways in which we organize our society directly affect our human dignity. And if there's a, if there's a societal norm or societal structure um, that intentionally casts people out, then we are not living this call to family, community, and participation. So in your efforts this week, have you seen programs or social structures or family situations in which individuals seem to be isolated? You think so, Betsy? I, I would say so. Um, especially the first day we delivered um, for Meals on Wheels and a lot of the people that we delivered our, the meals to, we were the only faces that they encountered that day. Why are those people so isolated, do you think? I mean, we, we can't speculate on their family circumstances or whatever, but what, what leads? I mean, there are cultures where, an, are they mostly elderly? Yeah, I, I think everybody that we delivered to was elderly. So there are cultures where that would never be the case, right? Right. Why Why are those people all alone with only someone to bring them a meal once a day? What what, le- what leads to that, do you think? Unfortunately, I think just in our society, we have more important things in our minds. We think that, oh, we need to go do this. So we just kind of um, kind of move aside what might be right to go do and to like give these people like someone there but like instead you might have to do something like in their minds more important but do you think that we're kind of being formed hannah to to think that way i think that as a society yeah we are like kind of brought up why like what is influencing that i just feel like it's a chain reaction that like people have like it's more of like people have found that um, what they, it's, I don't want to say selfish, but like, you can say selfish. It's more like people are trying to like put what they think are their more important needs in front of what is actually needed in our society today. I would agree with that. Yeah. I, I'm guilty of that. I think, I think we're all probably guilty of that to some degree because mm-hmm. we live in this instant gratification culture, this, I don't ever want to be uncomfortable culture. <laughs> like, what can I do to have fun every day or to have you know, happiness every day or, yeah. So I guess you were part of the solution then in delivering Meals on Wheels. Or not the solution, but respite for those people who are isolated. Did you get to visit with those people? And um, We did get to visit for a little bit. I think they thought we had a lot of things going on, even though we wanted to sit with them and talk and um, see how they were and, like, really get to um, know them better. Um Unfortunately, we didn't get to do that as much as we wanted to, but it was so awesome, and they um, smiled a lot, and they thanked us, and their gratitude was just um, so immense, and that was really awesome to see. Have Have you done anything else other than Meals on Wheels this week that kind of has helped pull someone out of isolation or given them more a sense of community or upheld the dignity of their family? We also live in a culture where family is breaking down, right? I don't know if you've had any experiences that have pointed to this particular tenant. Um, I think a little bit. Uh, We volunteered at Oakstone Academy, which is a school that focuses on autism inclusion. 
And some of us were really able to have, like, personal conversations with some of the kids in the classrooms. And I think that that was really, like, helpful. I think that those kids just are not always shown the love that they need. And so... um, That's a great example, Betsy, because autism by its nature is sort of an isolating... um, Kids with autism, they just sort of naturally isolate themselves, sometimes because they're more comfortable with that. Not always. I don't want to speak in generalizations, but often kids with autism are isolated. And whether it's because they're different or whether it's because they put themselves in that situation, or but to be able to draw them in Mm -hmm. to society, to draw them into community um, is a real gift for us to be able to do that. So that's a great example. Okay, the third tenet of Catholic social teaching is rights and responsibilities. This just refers to the fact that everyone has basic rights. The basic rights we have are we have the right to life, we have the right to food, we have the right to shelter, to health care, to education, and to employment. Food, life, food, shelter, health care, education, and unemployment. And everyone has a responsibility to respect these rights for all people. So why do you think there are so many people in our world who are living without these basic rights, who are living without food, who are living without shelter, who are living without health care, etc.? What is, what is causing that to happen? We were talking this morning about how some people are born into crisis mode. So they just might be born into a family where their parents have struggled with maybe drug addiction or imprisonment or something. And so they don't know any different. They might not know that they have the right to have health care and education and employment. Um, it's just kind of a cycle that they've been yeah. in all their lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really good observation. So if they, I think if those people would, you know, take the time to take like one training class, it might make the world a difference and kind of give them a different mindset and realize that they don't have to live day to day. So, so related to that, in regard to this tenant, rights and responsibilities, it would be my responsibility to somehow either to form that training class and lead that training class or to let someone who's stuck in that cycle know about that training class or bring them to that training class, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, we can't just throw programs out there and say, well, they're not taking advantage of programs. You know, like that's where we have to come in and help them take advantage. Yeah, there's of so many amazing opportunities in Columbus alone, but people just don't know about it because we haven't told them. And I think on a grander scale, on a, a more global scale, the basic reason that there are so many people who live without having their human, their basic human rights met is just because we're greedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're a self-centered, greedy race, <laughs> human race. So um, with many, many, many exceptions, obviously. Sometimes that greed factor is the more powerful and the more influential factor. Um, so what are some places you've served that strive to provide these basic rights for people to, who don't have them? Sounds like join is a big one. Yeah. Where else have you been this week? 
Well, um, going back to the Meals on Wheels, I feel like um, for like the food aspect for people who or those who um, just can't, aren't able to, I feel like they provide a very big service in getting people those basic needs. Yeah. And not only the delivery of those meals, but the the um, payment of those meals. You know, very few people, I think, who receive those meals privately pay for those meals. Um, if you're just joining us, you're listening to AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. This is Raising Saints, and I'm Katie Wyatt, and we're here today with Annie, Betsy, and Hannah. And we're talking about um, Catholic social teaching. And Annie, Betsy, and Hannah are on a service trip this week where they're all over Columbus at all kinds of different agencies and organizations. Have you all been to any like food pantries or soup kitchens? That's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Where are you going tomorrow? Tomorrow we are going to Choice Food Pantry and Mid-Ohio Food Bank. Which are both great examples of basic dignity because the Choice Food Pantry enables people to, quote, shop for their own items, right? They don't yes. just get handed a bag of stuff they may or may not want. Um, in Mid-Ohio, that's just a, <laughs> a huge <laughs> distribution place. And that's kind of where all the food you see at all the other agencies, almost all of mm-hmm. it comes from Mid-Ohio Food Bank. Okay, so we've talked about um, the dignity of the human person. We've talked about the call to family, community, and participation. We've talked about rights and responsibilities. So let's move on to the preferential option for the poor. Uh The gospel calls Christians to put the needs of the poor first. That's the hard part, right? A good moral test of a society is how how we treat our most vulnerable people. Because So wherever there's structural injustice, injustice, like injustice as part of the system, we Christians are called to oppose it um, because people with the greatest need require the greatest response. So if everyone puts the needs of the poor first. If we all decided, I'm going to put the needs of the poor first in my life, what are some things that people would have to change? Maybe their uh, daily Starbucks habit. <laughs> uh, probably uh, like how they drive their car. Like I think if the world would decide to carpool or use public transportation, things like that, um, you might be able to save a lot of resources. Um, I also think that um, they would have to make a lot more time. Um, you would definitely need to clear your schedule for things that might need to come first. That's life. a really great point. I think often we think about from a monetary perspective, but that's an excellent point. Yeah. Everyone's busy these days. Yeah. I always, when I think, when I reflect on this uh, tenant of Catholic social teaching, preferential option for the poor, I should know his name and I don't, but I always think of the man who founded Habitat for Humanity, who essentially, well, to hear it told, woke up one day and said, I have too much money, (laughs) sold everything and started Habitat for Humanity, you know, and then I think, okay, that's what this is all about. (laughs) That's a real challenge. I mean... A, a real model of this particular tenant. The fifth tenant is the dignity of work, um, because work is an expression of our dignity and our involvement in God's creation. Everyone has right a right to decent work and to fair wages. Um, I think the key here is that the economy exists to serve people, but we seem to have it backwards. We seem to think that people exist to serve the economy. Um, 
when I when you hear me say that, like you're all nodding your head, like yes, yes, but it's kind of hard to put into words or into um, examples. But I don't know. Can you what what pops into your head when I say that? So it's supposed to be that the economy exists to serve people, but we have it flipped backwards. People exist to serve the economy. I think that um, what that means is the economy is supposed to provide people with food, shelter, and um, the basic needs we were talking about. But really, um, the people are trying to serve the economy and give it what it needs, even though they aren't getting as much back as they should be. Right. And so consequently, working ridiculously long hours, working for ridiculously low pay, working in jobs that aren't that don't dignify them, mm-hmm. you know, that all the while other people are getting wealthier and wealthier and wealthier yeah, because it's of really it. really scary. Yeah. <laughs> it is scary. Yeah. Um, okay, we're kind of blowing through these because we're going to run out of time. <laughs> Let's move on to solidarity. As Catholics, we're called to stand up for and stand with anyone who we see whose rights are being violated that means we're required to take action. I think for me, the one that immediately pops into my head is the rights of the unborn. I think Catholics were pretty quick to, for the most part, to stand for the rights of the unborn, to stand in solidarity with those little people that we've never even met, you know, that haven't even come into the world yet. So what would be some, or have you in your life ever had to stand in support of someone who is being treated unfairly or unjustly? you think of an example from your own life? Maybe in terms of like a social, maybe you are a real pro-life advocate. Maybe you've done that March for Life and, and you're welcome to share about that. Or maybe it's just been someone you know, like someone at school or someone who is just being treated unfairly. In my life, I, uh, I'm thinking of my brother. My brother is on the autism spectrum and he's 16 years old. And so there have been numerous times where I really have had to be the one to be behind his back and make sure that his rights are being heard. Um, People aren't taking advantage of him. People aren't taking advantage of him or putting him down or excluding him is a very big thing. Um, I really have to make myself uncomfortable in some situations and make sure that he knows that he is loved and he deserves the very best. So why does that work? That's a great example of solidarity. Solidarity. Why does solidarity work? It, it's specifically, so specifically in the case of your brother, it, is that useful for him? Is that helpful? Yeah, I mean, I think that <laughs> being in community is just so much healthier than being alone. Yeah. And, so, and in terms of the pro-life movement, look at how many hearts are changed you know, when you're, when your message is loving and when your message is clear and when your message is just truthful, it, it changes hearts. It makes mm-hmm. a difference, right? And, and uh, I mean, you could say that with anything. You could say that with the work, with the labor movement, you know, with workers who are being treated unfairly or being paid poorly or children who, you know, are having to work in sweatshops. When people stand up for those people, People like you, you know, people like all of our listeners, when we stand up for those people, that's when change comes about. Um, It's probably not just going to happen on its own in those situations. And then our final tenet of Catholic social teaching is care for God's creation. 
And this is just quite simply, if you respect creation, you're respecting the creator. And when we disrespect creation, we're disrespecting the creator, we're disrespecting God. So in light of that, we're just, we're called to protect the planet. We're called to live our faith in relationship with all of God's creation, all of God's creation. Do you think your generation is more aware of this than past generations? I think that we're aware of what we have to do and how we're called to um, protect God's creation, but we don't take it into our hearts and actually act on it as much. Oh, okay. Why is that, do you think? Um, I'm not sure. It may be um, just like the way we are. Um, we're a generation of material things, so it's easy to get connected into your phone but not look around us to see what God has made for us. You're also such a disposable generation. And I don't I don't mean you are disposable, Annie. <laughs> I mean things that you have access to are quickly upgraded and thrown away, you know, yes. thrown away and upgraded. And that seems to be the case with so much of what what you use day to day. I don't know. You're you're nodding, so I think you agree with me on yeah. that. Yeah. So I think it's kind of starting to turn, I think, but for the wrong reasons, like I feel like recycling and using reusable containers and making sure everything is biodegradable is like the cool thing to do, but people aren't doing it because they want to show care for God's creation. They're just doing it because somebody else was doing it first. Yeah, but that's okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's some more solidarity, right? If we're standing up for the environment <laughs> and we're changing people's minds about what that means. Yeah. Um, it's all right. However yeah. we get there. Yeah, you know? I guess so. <laughs> all right. We are out of time. So we're going to close in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. And Lord, I give you thanks, especially today for Annie and for Betsy and for Hannah and for everyone who is giving their time and giving their resources and working toward social justice. Lord, I just ask that you convict us and help us form our hearts for, for more service and for more justice and for more love for you and for your creation. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Raising Saints on AM820, St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I'm Katie Wyatt, and until next time, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bye now. Raising Saints is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Raising Saints with Katie Wyatt are available at stgabrielradio.com. Who better?